0: It's the daily podcast trying to make long-term sense out of the chaos of today's global crisis. We are living in, it seems at least, great historical times. All the big edifices, or many of the big edifices, are toppling, being smashed literally or or figuratively, uh, particularly when, of course, it comes to race and gender. And the coronavirus crisis seems to be compounding those uh, one of the questions that's come up several times on the show recently is whether or not the tech industry is also being toppled one way or the other uh, by by our multiple crises whether tech is is joining race and gender as the thing that is being dramatically changed uh, Ian Bogost is a very interesting guy. He He's a, a distinguished video games designer, producer, uh, professor in Georgia, and a, a keen observer of Silicon Valley. His last uh, Atlantic piece, The Silence of the Never Facebookers, um, caught my attention because it addresses whether or not the tech workers of Silicon Valley are going to rise up against their big tech masters. So Ian, uh, is race and gender going to be joined by tech in our age of grand disruption?
1: I think the the short answer is uh, right now only in small measure. And we saw some of this play out uh, over the last couple of years, mostly with respect to gender. There was a a big uh, kind of protest at at Google over, over gender equity and, uh, you know, in that case, as uh, over the last week, when we've seen a couple of people come out against uh, uh, Facebook in particular's uh, response to uh, President Trump's responses to uh, uh, protests and so on, it's, it's usually a small handful uh, of um, essentially, you know, privileged, uh, mostly white or, or, or occasionally uh, South or East Asian uh, uh, workers who are in a position where uh, they can and feel comfortable uh, saying something aloud, especially in public, and the vast majority uh, of uh, the tens of thousands of employees in this industry keep quiet. And so, until that that large body uh, changes their minds uh, and acts, or the the company leadership does, uh, then I don't think we're going to see a lot of movement.
0: What's really angering. Um, people now in Silicon Valley. Is it really just Zuckerberg and Facebook's unwillingness to tell the truth about social media, or is there something deeper and more profound? Yeah, the, these are small, uh, these are like paper cuts. Uh,
1: this, this is definitely a, a death by a thousand paper cut situation for many tech workers who are uh, bothered by the way that their uh, industry or their uh, specific organizations uh, are behaving. And for them, I don't think it's about uh, one thing, and it's certainly not about the latest thing. It's it's rather the, uh, the failure of this promise that the tech industry had offered them, which was that they were going to change the world for the better. They were going to come out to Silicon Valley and uh, disrupt all the old institutions and replace them with something uh, that was not just going to be more technologically or more computationally advanced, but that would bring about... Uh, a better world. This was, a you know, an actual belief that, that many of these folks had. And then they they sometimes got uh, ideologized into a local corporate version of that, whether that was at Google or at Facebook or at Apple or what have you, each of which has their own sort of, you know, positions or philosophies. Uh, and so it's the, the collapse, the slow collapse of that promise, uh, I think, that's bothering them. The realization that it wasn't enough and maybe it was never enough. Uh, to try to be earnest and to connect people on a service like Facebook by building infrastructure that does what that product does, uh, that uh, it's murkier, it's more complex, and that they themselves haven't been able to bring about the
0: brave new world that they had hoped. Well, brave new world, of course, was a dystopia. (laughs) In in your Atlantic piece, you suggest that and I'm quoting you here. A malaise has descended on the valley. What is this malaise? Is it a malaise of inaction, of cynicism? I don't think it's cynicism. The um, tech workers, broadly speaking,
1: uh, aren't cynical. They may be uh, misguided in some cases, or they may even just be ignorant of of some of the social circumstances. Uh, that we find ourselves in, whether whether that's about misinformation, or whether it's about race or, or, or gender equity, uh, the the malaise is a, a sense that uh, it's difficult to know what to do, how to move forward. So it's this combination of a kind of malcontent, along with uh, malcontent about uh, you know not not necessarily the moment to moment experience of the jobs. All of the tech workers that I speak to are extremely comfortable, and and they know. That the life that they're living—not just materially in terms of their salaries and whatever—but the day-to-day life of working in Silicon Valley is extremely desirable. The chef-cooked meals and the perks and whatnot, being being able to work with smart people—all all of that is is fine and great. And they know they don't want to give it up, and maybe can't give it up. But at the same time, the the impact uh, of the products and services on the on the on the, the global uh, community uh, is uh, increasingly. Uh, dissatisfying Uh, and that might be about uh any number of different things for any any number of different companies but that dissatisfaction it's like well how do you overturn it how do you make progress uh and they don't know and and or or they they know but they're not willing or they feel as though they cannot uh alter their behavior part part of that is fear a strong fear of uh, of retribution or of being blacklisted in many cases um there's so many uh, uh, immigrant uh, engineers and other kinds of employees in Silicon Valley, many of whom are working on uh, on visas, uh, waiting to get green cards. And for them, you know, sp- speaking up or, or, or acting out in other ways uh, might seem particularly uh, uh, risky. But even for the very comfortable, relatively comfortable uh, American citizens, uh, they feel that they are drawn to, they were called to this, uh, this way of life. And... That anything that they might do to uh, to alter the course of their companies uh, uh, for the better, that it 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 puts at risk that not just the comfort, but the the very idea of uh, of kind of living the the, the lifestyle that they've uh, that they've grown accustomed to. I, I realize this may sound uh, difficult to empathize with uh, for for the average person. It's like going oh, you know cry me a river about your 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 big Silicon Valley salary and you can't do anything about it. Uh, but the feeling of, uh, of stuckedness, I think, is something that everyone in any industry, no matter what you do, you can empathize with, that feeling of being, being stuck in a job or a business or a sector. And, uh, and that's what I think the, the 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 tech workers who feel this way are are feeling.
0: Yeah, I, I'm finding what you're saying, Ian, actually quite chilling. You mentioned retribution. Is that a mani- um, imagined or real? Is there a, a, a McCarthyite quality now to working in the Valley? If you speak out, do you get fired? There seems to be a number of cases recently. I mean, let's extend the Valley northwards and include Amazon and Microsoft sure. and Seattle. Right. Uh, and it seems like when you speak out, you get fired. Is that fair? Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, the, 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 their fear of retribution is not unfounded to a point. I think what's odd about it is the, the sense of uh, the time horizon on which uh, the, the kind of average, you know, m- middle of the road tech worker plays out those feelings. It's not just, oh, if I say something about my employer, I work at Google, or I work at Twitter, I work at Amazon. If I say something specifically about my employer's current behavior in public or out loud, that I'm going to get fired. That's a relatively simple and straightforward uh, a situation. Uh, but it's this kind of long-term perception that, well, if I, if I'm deemed a troublemaker, then maybe this person who I work for, who then goes off to do something else and does a startup and gets funding and wants to hire people like me, that that opportunity won't present itself. Or if if I want to do so, that I won't be able to raise money on Sand Hill Road because I'll be you know in kind of on the wrong side of uh, of a particular uh, uh, collaborator or, or or founder. Or so that that's sort of um, it's almost it's it's not quite like mafia like, uh, but it's not that different from the way that that, that people behave in. In Hollywood, or in any kind of small town industry, you know, where everybody kind of knows everyone else, even if there are thousands or tens of thousands of of people, and you just kind of know, you know that uh, you know it's driven by caprice and personality, and so um, any sense that an action uh, or a a a public presentation of an idea that might not even be deemed unpopular for its content, but by virtue of the fact that you are stepping out of your role and saying it, uh, that that might be enough to sort of put a black
0: mark uh, on your record. Um, but, but isn't the valley all about rebellion? And that the, the people who have achieved the most have been those who have rebelled most overtly from Mark Andreessen yeah. in yeah. the early days yeah. of Netscape to people like Travis Kalanick. He may not have eventually won at uber but he, he made a lot of money for himself and others in in founding uber uh, yeah. and, and the great figures in the valley i mean jobs steve jobs is the classic example of the people who break things
1: right uh, and that's the great irony i mean you've pointed out the great irony of this situation that on the one hand tech thinks that its job is to th- throw away the bad parts of the past and replace them uh, uh with novelty and, and 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 freedom and there's this sort of strong sense of uh uh, of, of social justice in the outcomes of uh, of connection and communication that these uh, that these types of uh, uh, of products uh, provide you know anybody can become a YouTube star or what have you uh, anybody can start a company uh, and bootstrap it and turn it into a multi billion dollar or organization uh, so there is a, a conflict a philosophical conflict between the uh, the the background and the positions of the uh, of the valley as they've been mythologized and the way that that people feel uh, within it. And and maybe part of that is because there's a there's a classism to that ideal in the valley. And it was it was at one point the case when things were much, much smaller at the in the early days of this industry in the in the sixties and seventies when it truly was a kind of part of the counterculture movement. Uh, but today, you know, you've got a, a a venture class, a founder class, and maybe those those sort of star uh, engineers and, and and product designers and so on uh, who get to do whatever they want, and then you've got just a whole mess of other people who are being brought along for the ride and 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 given the promise that they might move up, that they might become uh, uh, those kinds of of individuals too. Uh, but it's likely uh, not possible or never going to happen for reasons that have nothing to do with their their political uh, uh, positions and I think that that, uh, that that's exerting kind of a torsion on 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 workers sensibilities when it comes to opposing the the actions of their uh, of their employees or, or of their employers uh, or of their or of their sector. Uh, So it's not mere hypocrisy. It's not just simple hypocrisy that it's at work. It's something uh, more complex and more imbricated with uh, uh, the the different ways that that different kinds of classes of people operate within the Valley already.
0: Ian, as you know, there's been a great deal of of soul searching in Silicon Valley um, in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement. And prior to that, the issue of Me Too. Are these initiatives on the part of VCs and companies when it comes to becoming more inclusive uh, with women and and, and minorities? Is this all cosmetic or is it real?
1: I think in any corporation, whether it's in technology or not, these statements that we've been seeing around Black Lives Matter uh, over the last couple of weeks or or other topics in the past, they're largely a cosmetic. They're marketing their efforts to appear to be pursuing action in order that that appearance uh, can carry them through another week or another month partly while they figure out what to do and partly so that they can hope that it all goes away and, and that may be a cynical uh, perspective but I don't I certainly don't think that Silicon Valley companies are particularly different I, I mean remember that these are these are companies that um, that service, uh, billions uh, of people and domestically, you know, hundreds of millions of, of people. It's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, in order not to uh, uh, raise eyebrows among some subset of their constituency, uh, they almost feel as though they can't say or do uh, anything that might uh, rock the boat. And, you know, you've seen this uh, more from some companies than others. And certainly Mark Zuckerberg has been much more willing to take this kind of... Uh, 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 almost positionless uh, position in which anything is as good as anything else for uh, as far as uh, posting on uh, on their service. Um, but no, the, you know the the, the Silic- There's no reason to believe that the Silicon Valley um, uh, statements of, of support are any more earnest um, than any other corporate statement uh, uh, of support.
0: Ian, is there an element here of good versus evil? Uh, Zuckerberg, of course, has become uh, the the pinup for uh, for 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 the bad boys uh, he even has the appropriate haircut, although I don't think he's sufficiently chilling to to be <laughs> in a, a Bond movie yet. Maybe when he gets a bit older. But there are some good people, on there? I mean, Jack Dorsey committed a quarter of his significant wealth to fighting the coronavirus. Uh, Jack Dorsey, of course, being the the, found, the co-founder and CEO of, of Twitter and Square um uh mark benioff at, at salesforce keeps on making noises at least about radically reforming capitalism do you have any hope in in people like benioff and and, and dorsey the
1: um of course you know it's it's relatively easy for uh the billionaires to do a little bit uh, that doesn't cost them much especially when the money that they're uh spending this is not not the case in all of those examples but the money that they're spending uh, doesn't even deplete the uh, the sort of income, the passive income that they might accrue from their massive uh, wealth. I I don't think that looking to the CEOs and the the billionaires for a, a savior uh, or a or a kind of archetype of goodness in technology is very productive. Uh, and and instead, and that that includes Bill Gates, who also gets a, a lot of you know, from a different era, but gets a lot of credit for his a uh, uh, philanthropic contributions to, to global health. Uh, and at the end of the day, anytime you accrue that much capital in the hands of, uh, of that few uh, problems uh, are, are going to uh, arise. But that said, I, I don't think it's a good evil problem I- I- exactly. It's, it's not as though what we need are sort of good versions of the technologies or of the employees or even of the, the founders and CEOs uh, in, uh, in the industry. Uh, uh, rather, there's, you know, going to be some kind of combination of factors uh, that would have to arise in order for the the tides to turn at a at, at a larger uh, at a larger scale, and the workers, um, especially those who are in a position um, that they might choose uh, to do something different uh, than what they're currently doing, uh, if they were organized in some meaningful way, uh, perhaps they could play a role. But I think that's. Also uh, unlikely. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think it would almost be easier, and it is more comforting to imagine that there are like good and bad CEOs. And if only we get a little more uh, Jack Dorsey in our Mark Zuckerberg, that perhaps uh, everything would be okay. Uh, but it's it's simply it's simply not enough. I mean, uh, Dorsey's uh, still doing uh, the minimum, or at least uh, uh, less than uh, 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 than than he might uh, in terms of of altering the the operation of civilization and society and you can't just kind of buy your way out of that when things uh, start to look uh, uh, difficult. Uh, so I think it's important to resist this idea that um, that there's sort of these uh, these caricatures of individuals who are either doing the right thing or the wrong thing uh, because it misses the more systemic complicated waves of Push and pull that are really taking place inside of these organizations and and out there in Silicon Valley.
0: So, Ian, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, you're a you're a, a long time designer, a very successful designer of video games. You've made them about social and political issues, like disaffected workers, uh, the petroleum industry, uh, the pandemic, flu, and tort reform. If, and I think you may be doing this or you may have done it in the past, if you were to do a game, a video game about fundamental reform of Silicon Valley, very <laughs> briefly, what would it involve and, and what would you have to break through to make it happen, the reform itself? Yeah, yeah. Um uh,
1: back when I first started uh, um, making, making games uh, of this sort, which was before Facebook existed and before Google was, you know, the giant uh, global powerhouse it was, uh, it seemed possible that, um, that using computers to give people this, uh, this sort of systemic complex experience with the, the trade-offs of, of decisions uh, in complex systems... That that might be possible. It might be possible to help them uh, alter their perception of social problems, not by finding answers, but by sort of seeing the uh, the, the tensions, the dynamics that 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 that, uh, uh, that change when you alter one one variable. So, if I were to try to take up this this challenge of a a game that shows how Silicon Valley works, I think I think one thing is the you know the the way that in any um, in any sector like this, where you have the capital that uh, uh, that drives these organizations uh, flowing through such a relatively small number uh, of uh, in mo- mostly venture funds, but then there's also these sort of larger scale um, uh, 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 investment organizations driven by you know sovereign wealth like uh, like SoftBank, uh, that when you funnel all of that through a very small number of organizations that are run by a, a relatively uh, homogeneous uh, a kind of individual, uh, then the results that you see at the other end are, uh, are relatively predictable. They're going to reproduce the things that are important to them, or they're going to you know, scratch their friends' backs and so forth. So I think that's one part of it, is the, the, where the money comes from and then where it, where it moves, uh, and then how that reproduces itself. Uh, another thing I think I would want to try to model in, in, this, in this game would have to do with, with this idea of scale uh, it's ex- the technology industry is obsessed with scale. And, uh, and what they mean by that is like always getting bigger, not just in a uh, Wall Street growth kind of way, uh, but amassing as many users, as many people as possible. And from there, uh, leveraging that into uh, even, e- even more success and sort of more, uh, more dynamism inside of the, uh, the organization. Uh, and I suspect that anytime you try to scale something up that big, uh, where you have hundreds of millions, billions of, uh, of, of people who are uh, wrapped up in it in one way or another as advertisers as users and so on, uh, that it's unsustainable, that it, it no longer meets anyone's needs uh, except for those uh, who are at the helm or enjoying the benefit of the uh, of the stock and uh, and, and its profits. Uh, so if I started designing such a system, I think those are the two big things. That I would want to look at, and I, I think it's not accidental that neither of them has anything to do uh, with technology as such, right? Ex- except insofar as as computation has allowed scale uh, to rage out of control and go global uh, with relatively limited uh, investment on the on the front end. Uh, but it's not about the perc- the particularities of of Facebook in-, in particular, or it's not about you know the kind of content that people are generating or posting. No, it's really about the whole underpinning the whole structure of the industry to start.
0: Finally, Ian, everyone should read your latest book, Play Anything, as well as this excellent Atlantic piece, The Silence of the Never-Facebookers. But for our listeners who are curious about Silicon Valley and are looking for a book that tells the truth about it, what other books, apart from your own, would you suggest? Uh, so, you I know, mean, a couple of great books from the last uh, year or so. Uh,
1: uh, Mike Isaac's a book about uh, about Uber and uh, Travis Kalanick, uh, which is called Super Pumped, uh, is a, is a great one. Uh, it's kind of high drama as you might expect from that subject. And so the uh, the other book I would suggest that does something very different is uh, uh, Anna Weiner's um, memoir of, uh, of of working uh, in, in the Valley, which is called Uncanny Valley. And what I like about the the latter book, in particular, is that it really, really gets across the kind of mundane, everyday lived experience of the um, the mid-range uh, a tech worker, rather than the uh, the the founder CEO uh, hero, which is what we usually hear about.
0: You've been listening to Keynote, hosted by me, Andrew Key. Make sure to join us the rest of this season as we explore how to fix capitalism Today's episode was produced and edited by Justin Alvarez and the team at Lithub Radio. See you next week, and thanks so much for listening.